Yo, John, how's it looking? Uh, hacker voice. I'm in. Hey! Yo! He's, he's using gravity hacks and he's back. <laughs> I... It turned out the problem was I was in my I was in my normal chair. I needed to get out the podcasting throne. Um, oh, there we go. Nice, go. of course. Yeah. You know, got my got my I, got my monster energy. I'm excited to talk about Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, now wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that was the last one. That was the last one. Oh yeah, we talked so much, so much about piss in that episode. It was a piss heavy less of that episode. Today. Even for even for our show, it was pretty piss heavy. I'd like to introduce us the only way I think is appropriate, um, which is imagine that you're experiencing your first ever from software videoed game, and the trailer opens with uh, a, a, a creepy little freak. In a dark, old, wet and nasty room. <laughs> and they're doing something. You don't know what they're doing. It doesn't look good. But they're doing it. And slowly they turn to you, the viewer, and they say, Ah, fucked up little man. <laughs> You're so fucked up and nasty. Everything. It sucks so bad <laughs> only you the most fucked up and nasty of guys can make it suck less <laughs> and then you're thrown into a pit and that's the uh <clears throat> that's the beginning of the game anger sexual lust the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. And so too is it the beginning of our podcast. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was, it was beautiful. I was just going to I was just going to say that Really, this is going to be a podcast dedicated to everyone who's ever wanted to know what living in Britain is really like. <laughs> <laughs> if you've if you've ever if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be British, we are about to explain that to you. <laughs> yeah, do Do you remember Blight Town? Imagine that, but more blight and less town. Yeah, much less town. Uh, the town portion was quite generous. <laughs> um, although there is a, I'd say a, a correct amount of blood sucking insects, more or less. <laughs> so a lot of um, podcast ink, yes, has been spilled um, about this game. I would say, uh, but I think that we're almost. I think we're just over a decade since its release, the original Dark Souls videoed game, and I think that. Um, the the industry the medium is in a place where uh, still so much is in the context of a world in which Soulsborne games exist, uh, and I think now is an appropriate time on this spookiest of months to to gather here and kind of go back to this not the first uh, title of course Demon Souls was first but the one that really put it on the map and I think had the biggest cultural impact by far and. 
I think a big part of why it had such a big cultural impact is because it feels really familiar. Um, and I, I know some of you might have to stretch your imagination to imagine, you know, a world that is preoccupied by this cycle that seems to consume even the people at the top of it, um, but certainly lays to waste everyone else. Uh, and everyone just keeps destroying themselves to reproduce it because the alternative seems too scary. I, I don't know if that sounds familiar to anyone. What do you guys think? <laughs> okay, good job. I think uh, I think we I think we got it. Uh, so yeah, follow Agab Pod on Twitter. Um, <laughs> now we're all deep in deep. I'm sorry if if you that you sometimes we mistake the silences for um, the 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 deepest thought um, mm-hmm. that humans are capable of producing specifically yeah. for podcasting. Um, I know for me. Uh, what I find most interesting, particularly about what you just mentioned, Kay, is that the the world of Dark Souls in general represents, it, it retains a lot of the um, impulses and onuses, if you will, um, familiar to the human beings playing it, um, where the sort of it, all, all, all of these impulses and actions are begotten by the very sort of fundamental actions and reactions that have occurred and are occurring throughout this very dark world. And what's interesting about it uh, is how it's this kind of, it retains all of that stuff in a world without any kind of finitude. You know, it's very theological in that way. It's, you know, kingdom come without the kingdom, right? Divinity without God, necessarily. The divine, the the, the impulse of the onus and impulse that we're familiar with becomes divine in this interesting way. And uh, it, it's this uh, widespread and very abject sense of hopelessness out of which uh, uh, sort of we only out of which only emerges us ourselves. And as we become further maddened and maddened, the deeper we go. Um, so, yeah, nothing like anything that I've ever seen. It's just pure, pure fiction. <laughs> I don't really get it personally yeah. i don't think i'd get this game yeah i can't believe you're trying to make this political trying to put politics <laughs> into it. but uh yeah, come on i should also say uh that that uh my dear friend ash is the is the dark skulls dark souls scholar among dark us skulls. Uh, for real yeah. uh, uh, so uh, I, I i i'm very curious to know what he thinks I, I think so. I, I literally, my master's thesis was like mostly about Dark Souls uh, and and Super Mario World. But like, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. Like, I, I can't believe we're trying to make this this game political. This game where if I'm ever sufficiently injured, I drop all of my money right where I'm standing, and I'm sent back to some random location that I hope is inside. Like, I, I don't. I can't think of a single political context for this game. <laughs> I mean, the, it's it's a game in a, in a way about. Uh, the kind of wreckage of history itself, right? So, like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it coming out in 2011. It, this this weird game. I mean, I I wonder. I wonder what could have been going on in the world that might have <laughs> might have fed into a sense of the realism that had you know been dominating a certain of epistemic hegemony becoming fractured, uh, where the only choice is really to kind of pile up the commodities set fire set fire to literal souls in order to mm-hmm. reignite 
the the <laughs> teleological cycle of of constant entropy and collapse. I wonder I wonder what could have been happening that might have provoked some of that discourse. That's right. We're all thinking of it. The release of Skyrim. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow! 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 Uh, Skyrim came out around the same time as this game, and I've always considered it sort of a humorous um, example of two pieces of, of art and one aging, I think, dramatically better than the other. Um, and a, a big part of it is, I think, the environment, you know, the, the sort of post-2008 uh, environment that this game came into remains in many ways still so familiar. Uh, I think that's it, it's so easy to go back to this game. Um, and something that especially uh, stands out to me is the... Um, and, and I think makes it ring, uh, ring even more familiar is how shoddy the efforts of disguising how fucked the world is are in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite area in the game by far is An Orlando, uh, and you go oh, yeah. and it's this this golden sort of it, it's what you would expect uh, a place you'd expect the gods to live. It's this a massive cathedral slash castle um, above this this beautiful city. Um, and when you get to the end of it, if you are very, uh, if you're paying very close attention, or if maybe somebody told you on the internet, it will occur to you to strike at the goddess Gwendolyn, who immediately disappears, revealing herself and the entire city to be an illusion, uh, and it's actually uh, fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because this is kind of it's it's kind of the midpoint of the game, but I think that in a way it's it's really a climax of the game. And after trudging through these like you know ruined cities or, or castles full of fucking hollows and these fucked up forests and just places where things are clearly not going well, it's this one almost moment of respite, right? And then it's pulled out from under you. It's like no, nope, it's fucked here also. You're not you're not getting away from this by going up the power structure, idiot. And then they spit on you and start hitting you, and it's, it gets a bit weird. <laughs> I I love Anorlando so much. So when you when you first show up in Anorlando, there's a cathedral to your left that you can run on the roof of. It's the the cathedral that has the entrance to the painted world of Ariamas. Um, but that mm. cathedral is actually modeled after uh, the Milan Cathedral. Um, which is a, it's like a, a massive historic landmark of gothic gothic architecture um and like we we tend to view gothic architecture especially but i think architecture even more broadly as being something of the past you know it's 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 something that's very much locked away because so much of modern architecture is like you know exovers and these like copy pasta buildings and mcmansion hell style like structures with without any soul or spirit to them but like like uh, something something that kyle and i were talking about a while ago there's like a lot of interesting public history going on in dark souls especially in the architecture because like it's in a weird way giving you a kind of access to this homage to like this classic european architectural form while you're busy beating up gargoyles and like really sleepy dudes and uh turtle boys and a bunch of random stuff and I think it's just really fascinating that, like, you know, we've got this, like, this game that I, I think more than anything is associated with extreme difficulty and, and kind of 
personal perseverance on the aspect of the gamer but like when you kind of like take a step back from that it's a psychogeographical historicized walking simulator yeah what is like combat (laughs) but not this like combat like it we so the trend in games and something that i think is something that was commented on um incredibly well in the most recent tim rogers tim rogers did six hours on a uh uh what was it called boku no natsu yatsume uh, like a, a summer a summer vacation a japanese like summer vacation kind of life sim but storytelling narrative focused kind of storytelling game and like he he was taught he put it in the he put it in in conversation with other things that were coming out around the time which was he used a couple of examples that were games initially without any combat in it that all of a sudden in order to sort of like keep up with the trends in gaming you they were introducing like yep. combat and boss fights and all like stuff that just made no had no coherent sense for the particular tech, the way that it was originally intended, you know, you know, something else ruined by capitalism, shocker. But like, what's so sort of poetic about the combat in Dark Souls itself is that it dovetails so neatly with the like the 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 idea of difficulty almost feels like a superfluous statement because of course this world is difficult. Look at it, like live in it, see it listen to the you have to, you're forced to observe it and listen to what it says to you because it doesn't say a whole lot uh directly and instead like you're you're sort of maddened by the being whipped back and forth between these contrasts in light and dark and life and death that are so fundamental to even the even architecturally fundamental to the world that you're like living within that ultimately the combat is like, you know, it's more than combat, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's super it's super fun PvP, P- doing PvP in Elden Ring and stuff like that. Um, and I'd say, I'd, I, but it's, it's, a, it's a game that's so, but like, compare that to this combat in fucking Skyrim, one-shotting <laughs> dragons, like, you know, one thing that I think is a little unfair about the comparisons though is that we're comparing skyrim with sometimes you you can you have skyrim but then you also have elden ring so we should be really comparing elden ring with the most recent elder scroll game right that that game <laughs> so we're still making those yeah yeah the new one the one that came after skyrim <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Skyrim um, Special Edition uh, compared oh, to Elden Oh, that's Ring. what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> the Deluxe Platinum Steelbook <laughs> Edition of Skyrim. If it's not like, yeah, the vi- two, two visions cast for, uh, you know, semi-open world or open world games, uh, you know, on the one hand, what starts as Demon Souls beca- gets it becomes a hit with dark souls and then becomes elden ring this incredibly logical conclusion for this type of world building that's why it's so masterful and then you know skyrim's in its fifth fifth edition 
or whatever. Who's buying them? Who's still buying? Yeah, who's buying oh, them? Okay, okay. Who is still who is still buying? <laughs> oh, oh, I I really like the previous four versions of Skyrim, but the, the but but the snow particle DLC really makes it like this is this is this is horse armor. Baby. Yeah, I mean, come on, this is this is this is one of the reasons why Dark Souls has kind of consistently aged better, which is because it's de- in its design. Is, is that it treats history as actual living substance and not merely a kind of high fantasy aesthetic. So, like, this, yeah. I, I, you know, Miyazaki's on the record of saying, like, it, the creature design initially lacked dignity. Dignity is the word used, which I think is mm-hmm. super interesting. And all of, all of it's anachronistic, right? All of it is archaic and all of it, but all of it is treated with such kind of, like, seriousness and respect that the the historicity of the game world itself feels coherent. And so it, it does actually feel as if history itself is treated as a kind of like actual substance. And so I am I am perhaps the newest to the to the Soulsborne world. Everyone told me when I when I uh, got it, oh it's very hard. It's really, really hard. And I only found Dark Souls uh like hard for a little while. It's it's difficult. It's yes. difficult but it isn't hard and i think that's i think that's an important difference right and the difference comes in the fact that it's it's hard if you expect it to be something that has one correct solution like combat and skyrim right where they go you can do anything but really the correct one is to do this <laughs> like but dark souls goes well you have a selection of options available to you as a subject in the world right but so you get out of them uh, the thing it's it's hard if you think there's one correct way to to, to deal with the problem of existence. Uh, I I find the question of difficulty so interesting, and I totally do think it's tied up within how the game understands its own historical nature. Absolutely, uh, uh, potential potential hot takes coming coming in, but like. Uh, uh, f- first and foremost, Gone Home is the best sequel to Dark Souls One that's ever been made. <laughs> I just want to just want to put that one out there as a science fact. So true, and that's and that's true because like there, there's so much discourse on Dark Souls difficulty, but it entirely misses the fact that these games are only ever as hard as you want them to be. You you can there are so many cheeses for bosses where you can kill them off screen, and you can find those if you have Dark Souls installed on your computer, you have the capability of finding this information. And then on top of that, like, even if we, we want to just talk about stuff that you can find in-game with explained tutorials, like magic, you know, like, like these games, the, 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 what becomes interesting is that, like, you elect the difficulty of Dark Souls. You could just pump everything into magic, like, especially, like, this is so true with Elden Ring. Like, the spells in Elden Ring are so busted, you can just one-shot every boss without much effort. Yeah. And, like, this puts us in a really p- interesting position where it's like, what does it mean when we're in such a broken world? that's so damaged, so dying, and so heavily propagandized by its few last surviving rulers that we just kind of naturally accept that the only way to progress forward is to kind of, like, choose this, like, brutalized path of total difficulty when there is, like, there's literally, like, a you-win-the-game camera mode button just hanging off to the side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that learning what the world expects of you is the real no, it's yep. not getting like better at it it's learning what it wants that's mm-hmm. what turns it from a, a difficult game into one that you can walk through like the, with yeah the the, the kind ease. of common the kind of common gamer discourse is like oh you're supposed to get good you're supposed to like 
you, you know, you're gonna you're gonna die, but you're gonna die over and over again. Eventually, you'll get good and you'll stop dying. And I'm like, to to me, the message of the first Dark Souls is like, no, you're supposed to win. You're supposed to like, you're supposed to beat mm-hmm. everything. And the game is is trying to give you so many things that you could use if you want to. So like uh, you know Ash is right you can you can you can use magic you can you can Ooh, love that you phrase. can just stand at a distance and throw massive fireballs at enemies. Uh, you <laughs> yes. you can you can just do what I did which is dump huge amounts of stats into decks uh, find find a katana and just R1 spam your way through most of the game. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I think I think when we think about it too like I wouldn't even consider Dark Souls... Like, like, the comparison between Dark Souls and Skyrim is really interesting, because Skyrim is incredibly, like, linear and combat-heavy. You know, as long as you've got the right stats, you could do whatever, and as long as you have a bucket with a handle, you can float over all the invisible walls and just win the game automatically. What a weird <laughs> game. But, like, like with Dark Souls, one, one thing that I find to be really interesting with the combat is that the combat, in so many ways, is just puzzle-solving. Right, it's not really it's not really a fighting game in the way we think of a lot of combat and combat in gaming. You know, it's like like I trace I trace like the, the the kind of like historical gaming lineage of Dark Souls to Mist. Right, like Mist Mist is like if we're going to do like like a Kafka and his precursors thing with Dark Souls, I think like well obviously we go back to the Castle of Otranto, but like if we want to stick it into gaming, like Mist Mist has so much of what Dark Souls has. And that's walking and being alone and solving puzzles and reading in-game lore. <laughs> you know what? I think that the walking is actually a really important part of it. And yes. to sort of tie this back to um, to what John was saying earlier about these places feeling like they have a historical substance to them. Um, something that I think is even lost in the sequels to the game a little bit that I think is really strong in Dark Souls 1 is these places don't feel like they're made for the player. These mm-hmm. places feel like they're important and have a substance to them, regardless of whether or not you're there. And I think a lot of them, like, I, I kind of have to go back to Anne Orlando. I think it's the best at this. It takes just a little too long to walk across many segments of it, and that's perfect. It's not... They didn't sit down and think, what is, you know, the the amount of time we want the player to be walking to get from A to B in this area? It's... This is how big the fucking place is. You just got to deal with it. And so you have these moments where you're just walking. There's no enemies. There's, you're just going from A to B where you can just look around and, and just absorb the world around you. And I think it makes such a big difference because Skyrim is a game with a lot of walking, but it only ever feels tedious. Mm-hmm. You're just watching your stamina bar regenerate so you can sprint some more. That's what you do when you walk in Skyrim. I think it's amazing how different the approach to world building makes the experience of just walking a little more than you might expect to. Absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, I said this. Uh, I made a video about Bloodborne, uh, and I, the way that I put it is that the world of Bloodborne, and I think this is true of Dark Souls as well, is not designed for you as a player. Like the world, the world, you exist in the world. The world doesn't exist for you. Uh, and it's precisely because uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure the first Dark Souls has an amazing story. I think it has an incredible world and sense of history. But the the plot is uh, my family have this really weird saying about bells. <laughs> like 
that's 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 what gets you that's what kind of like gets you started on the on the quote-unquote plot of 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 the game it has an incredible world but the world is not there for you you are there to try and engage with the world on its own terms yeah it's most most interesting to me is how meaningless you are as a thing uh and how when you're you're constantly forced to question yourself. I think this is true basically across the series. That you're forced to basically que- questions, question any of your actions, perceptions, or ideas that go beyond the sort of the fundamental functions of the world that you're in, which is ultimately survival. And you're like, what what dovetails most neatly with sort of the way that this world socializes is really how little, little you matter, how the you know and the the you know you know hollowing as a form of madness is interesting to me because the deeper you go as a person into dark souls lore you're just like well this is just like is is this whole game just dragons lying is that really <laughs> like <laughs> is it are they just like like behind my back and, and like is that is that what i'm fucking doing here um and i think that's really um i think that it, it's almost counterintuitively like nice to feel um rather than having to like sort of like perform interactivity or outright dismiss the way that a world is presented to you i don't feel infantilized i don't feel spoken to much i don't feel i feel acknowledged to only in terms of my willingness to take action i think that's really special I don't yeah. feel like I'm on, I'm just like, you know, like being shepherded from one point to another is it, and, and as we've, I think very cleanly and neatly pointed out, I think it's the opposite. You're just kind of introduced, uh, in, in, in very, you're introduced to a series of elements rather. And then, you know, given, given an opportunity to sort of trot along in the way that you see fit, um, but there's like, I had a passage. I gotta see if I can fucking find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. This is from Robin McKay's introduction to Jason Babak Mohageg's Omnicide, a book no one has heard me talk about before that I'm first <laughs> introduced. I'm, uh, anyways, um, and he writes. He writes here. A little bit. He's talking about sort of the Omnicide is a book. It's this kind of like it's a it's an entry into it's kind of like an encyclopedia of mania, but it has these series of entries that are I would just call them like interventions into you know social formation around madness and mania and psychoanalysis in general. And Robin McKay, who I'm a fan of, says this in the intro. Uh, what this what what uh, in effect. Uh, the performative engagement of the neo-magical, though devoid of its former affiliations, the prophetic without transcendence, for no higher power must intervene, the miraculous without belief, for no great leap of faith is required, the sacred without law, for no dogmatic structure contain the ecstatic art, just the leanest mixtures of anomaly, revelation, and disaster. Um, And I think that that those examinations of circumstances that uh, provoke the most obsessive and self-destructive focuses from people um, 
stuff that cuts against that that is in it like the the it, it has a mystifying complexity um in our ability to try and sort of capture a purpose a, a higher meaning or a purpose for this sort of delirium and excess um and oh i like that i really i really like that about all all of this stuff is probably my favorite the the idea of hollowing as a kind of madness um in the struggle between a, a, like a fundamental illustration of life and death that's also um that 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 fits perfectly within the same scheme as light and darkness um it like the 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 world of contrasts um if you will becomes this this place to kind of like explore processes of maddening um and yeah i could uh uh yeah i i'd uh I, i'd like to vacation there um <laughs> i'd summer i'd summer i'd summer in dark souls um because i'm a little i'm a little freak what's very interesting is that the process by which um people fully hollow is sort of surrender to yeah. it and a big part of that comes from you know they've got some primary goal they're trying to accomplish and in in failing to do it or giving up on doing it they they tend to go hollow and when you follow along people's quest lines whether it's um uh solaire or i forget if he's sigward or sigmire i know one of them's in dark souls 3 one of them's in this one but you know the onion knight um they you know they they come to generally pretty bad ends whatever happens and you're sort of watching all these other people around you failing at their goals and hollowing and there's this almost naive arrogance in which you're like oh yeah i'm gonna do my thing i set out to do though <laughs> and i think that is such a great partner with the fact that you can very easily play the game multiple times before ever even realizing there is an option other than linking the flame Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But like, I find yep. I find Dark Souls unironically quite a hopeful game, precisely because of the distinction between hollowing and death. Like, mm. uh, yeah. death, death in this game is simultaneously both a loss and a catharsis, and and is kind of inevitably the ground of the new. Right? If uh, dying is not really the problem, because dying means that there is the possibility of something different happening. Right? I. I the next time you won't die. Uh, but hollowing is, in fact, the, the a kind of like fatalistic teleology where the, there is no further possibility. You get, you achieve what you want. Uh, I think uh, Soler's questline here is like the, the paradigmatic example. You achieve what you want and beyond that, there is no the horizon of possibility itself collapses you can die as many times as you want in the first dark souls and it doesn't really matter as long as there is still the potential for something other than death yeah okay so this is this i think i think this is some really 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 exciting points when we're looking at dark souls um and i think like one of the things i like looking at when we're looking at like the process of hollowing um, and kind of like like the 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 potential for like a a spontaneous utopian rupture emerging in the world of Dark Souls and for us as players is is to look at like what what undoes hollowing in the game 
right? It's it's cracking a humanity um, and then like like restoring yourself, you know? Yeah. And why do we do it in-game? We do it to engage in jolly cooperation. You know, like you might use one if you're pinched on health in a boss fight, but most of the time you're going to be using them to co-op. And I think like you've got like the, the kind of like contrasting endings of Dark Souls, right? Where it's like you can either link the flame and kind of continue the, the cycle of this dying, totally consumed world. Or you can, you know, usher in the, the, the age of darkness, you know, bring in, try and try something new. But that isn't that just a capitulation? But I think there's like, like, what's the real ending of Dark Souls? And that's the PV, the PVP meta. Like the real ending of Dark Souls is just, it's just hanging out in, in the forest with your friends, smoking green blossom and, and having fun together <laughs> and doing jolly cooperation, right? It's, it's a rejection. It's, it's, it's because if you pick to embrace the cycle, or negate the cycle, you're still defined by it. You're still trapped within this thing that's destroying the world, right? But you could alternatively gather the vast mass of people in this world and just hang out in the woods, you know? Like, it's 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 so chill. And the way that, like, the community, too, also, like... Because in the early days of Dark Souls 1, like, you know, there were all the covenants, but then there were unofficial community-driven covenants. Like the, like the level 15 PvE covenant that would just help with the gargoyles and, like... So like like that in a way like this this is a game about despair and loss in a broken world with no winning sides, but yet nevertheless here's the here's the enduring and invincible human will and spirit, reassembling a a community with no hierarchy no currency, like like uh, a freely associative cooperation doing what they want like, ooh it gives me the chills. It is an incredible co-op and and multiplayer system overall, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. Ash is, Ash is right. You know, you 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 regain your humanity as if for, as if for the very first time. Like there's 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 something kind of beautiful about that. Though in in a way, the very the very the kind of worst thing that can happen to you in in Dark Souls is getting exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Soler getting getting what he wants. Real he realizes the kind of failure, the inherent failure. Because really, that desire was only a way of pushing off the the kind of existential problem of being towards death. But like, you don't have to run away from the being towards death. You can embrace it because death is really the ground from which new possibility emerges. Can we can we talk about our boy Solaire for a moment? Yes, I have a, a quick quick Solaire take. Um, I think I think Solaire is like a great embodiment of the kind of historical and polit- political trajectory of like both the Democrats and the Labor Party. You know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like when you first meet Solaire, he's talking about jolly cooperation, right? He's yeah. talking about bringing people together and he wants you to join his organization that is all about mutual aid. It's all about helping other people in need to overcome something that they cannot do on their own. But then by the time we're at the end of Solaire's quest line, He's just maddened by ideology. All he cares about is this kind of abs- increasingly abstracted vision of the sun and its its glorious light, its incandescence, and and that ultimately he ultimately winds up with a parasite sucking on his head, you know, in in some kind of state of undeath, right? Like like all all the kind of material drive that he has when we first meet him is is literally sucked out of his body by a head parasite. And what's really interesting is if you kill him and you take the the headpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, of the sun maggot that you can wear uh, in the description, it actually refers to it as Keir Starmer. I <laughs> 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 thought that was zing, quite prescient. Zing, zing, zing. 
So what do we make of like the the kind of narrative technique in Dark Souls, right? Because like you know, as as something that that John talked talked about, and like when Kyle was talking about it too, as well, we've all talked, hey, you as well, uh, me me as well, yes yes, everyone, we've all talked about this. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> like uh, the the kind of way that Dark Souls tells its story, presents its its history, right? Is you you very rarely get any information from anyone or anything alive. You know, like there's no, it's it's not like it's not like a lot of like fantasy RPGs where you wake up in the world and some guy like rattles off three paragraphs to get you caught up. You know, like like you find the story etched on the back of swords and shields and in item descriptions, right? It's like, like uh, it's, it's it's like the Gothic epistolary tradition in literature, right? Like going back to like 1764 or thereabouts. You know, it's it's story told through like little fragments in the world. What's interesting is the fact that you're getting this information not from a character who you can understand as having certain allegiances and, mm -hmm. and opinions, but you're getting them just in the text associated with an item. It yep. lends a certain, or it tempts you to lend a certain objectivity to what it's saying that isn't always wise to do so, that I find very interesting. Ooh, I really, I really, really like that point. Because there is some unreliable narration in this game that we know of. Um, and so that opens the door to, it, is every item description the objective truth uh, as far as, mm -hmm. you know, the world of, of the game is concerned? We don't really have any reason to assume that. Yeah, I, I kind of like it mostly because it's a reinforcement that you don't matter, right? Yeah, there's a uh, Simon Critchley uses this uh, Heideggerian term thrownness to describe our orientation into the world. We're literally we're thrown into the world, uh, and we we are kind of indebted to everything and everyone around us in order just to survive at the very beginning of life, right? So you don't you like in so many other games, it's like you are the special boy, you are the the big special boy <laughs> around whom every seismic event of the world revolves but uh there's nobody here there's nobody here you don't matter you you completely it's it's honestly kind of refreshing but it makes you less a participant in a story and like dark souls is kind of about hermeneutics right it's about yes. it's about the the, yes, yes, yes. the decoding of a certain kind of historical inheritance so yeah you could assume that every every item description is is uh, objective and how it gives you a totalized view. This is why people love Dark Souls lore, right? Because they think they can get the totalized conception of the world. But history is always incomplete. History is always partial. History is always um, received by us in a certain condition. So, like, uh, what we necessarily have to do is we don't experience, we interpret the world. Uh, and that's how you... You can come up with various stories, but this idea of like, ah, here is the final story of what the first Dark Souls game is about is a kind of like myth in and of itself. That It's like gamer ideology, right? The idea that you can solve this text. We can escape the prison of endlessly interpreting language. Because you, you can't. You can't. So I, really, I really, really like this and also deepest lore. But, like, uh, <laughs> the, the thing that I really, really, really enjoy about this kind of, like, line of conversation on Dark Souls is that, like, you, you absolutely do not matter in the course of this game, right? Everybody thinks that they're the chosen undead, but that's, that's the joke. Everyone thinks they're the chosen undead. 
it really doesn't matter. Someone, someone's going to do it if you're not going to do it, you know? Um, but the thing that I, I think is really engaging is, is the lore, right? Like, like where, where, where does kind of like the value of engaging with this material emerge, right? Like where, where's the kind of like, <clears throat> I guess like transfer and movement of this through, through something. And that's in, in the kind of like, like Zully the Witch and Vadi Vidya on, on YouTube, like, like the poet laureates of Dark Souls, you know, like the people who, who are like kind of piecing together these narratives and, and attempting to like weirdly do like Dark Souls history or like, like Dark, Dark Souls ethnography or something. And like, it's, it's so interesting, but like, like the story doesn't emerge in the game as something for you. The, the, special little dragonborn who's got the magic bloodline who's going to make them the king of hogwarts <laughs> like the the story only emerges when you like go on reddit and you're like hey i think like this sword's item description connects to to this consumable what's up like it only emerges when you like have to actually interact with real world people and like touch grass crest shield <laughs> yeah like, like talking about the plot of dark souls is a great counter to the great man theory of history like, <laughs> yeah i did like in skyrim when you become king of hogwarts though and then <laughs> you name your son after the two bravest men you've ever known soler also soler <laughs> <laughs> i would love to hear what you guys think about the dark and about the pus of man, and about the way this, the the way the um, in-game alternative to the Age of Fire is kind of presented, and the way you're encouraged to think about it. Did someone say pus? Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. It, it's the slime klaxon. Go on, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not piss today. At least it's, I dodged that bullet for another day. For now. Well, I, I, so like I find this stuff to be so interesting, right? Because like like it's the, it's the pus of man is both like some of the hardest and most difficult stuff in the game to go through. It's in the DLC. It's the stuff that that corrupts the Knight Artorius, and like like it's the thing that's gnawing away at this like solar monarchy that's that's oppressing the world under this rule of flame. So there's 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 something there's something that I think is like really really interesting and really liberating, especially when we consider the fact that like most of what we know about like the dark and like Darkstalker Kath and all this, all the, that side of the lore comes from Gwyn's side of the perspective, right? We're naturally engendered against it by these kind of like linguistic turns of phrase. And then on top of that, like the, the fact that like it's depicted as an ooze, like it's, it's this goo, like the world of Dark Souls is dying. Everything is turning into ash like everything is turning into me it's all fading away into this crumbling husk <laughs> and like what's the one thing that's growing despite this what's the one thing that's that's living again in a world where even the the great dragons are all dead it's this goo it's the return of the primordial it's a chance at like a new life and a second birth which is and like it's kind of got this like mycorrhizal potential that's of course a threat to this rigid monarchy i like that i i view I think that my my perspective on on the dark and the pus, my two favorite things, has um has changed since playing Disco Elysium, because um, there is an important concept in that game of the pale. Yeah. Now in Disco Elysium, the pale is an encroaching, sort of, nothingness, um, or at least something that's not comprehensible, and 
in a lot of ways, uh, in my video about it that Kyle was on, did a very good job. We, um, it, it's it's discussed as sort of like this um, representing uh, a narrowing sort of horizon of what is possible. Um, but an important thing about the pale in the game is it's deeply connected to the supernatural and to these sort of ruptures of possibility, uh, like what's embodied by the phasmid that you, you interact uh, with towards the end. And after playing that game, I've kind of started to view the dark in a really similar sense. Um, it's got this almost menace to it, but it's the only thing that has that the, the possibility of a different, of a, of a further, of a continuation of history rather than a, an endless sort of repeat of this particular stage of it until, you know, there's nothing left to burn. Um, and so I find it really interesting how far out of your way you have to go to really learn about it and, and mm -hmm. unlock that ending. Um, probably without the internet, I would have never done it, you know. Uh, and I think that's really interesting that in this world where the done thing is to perpetuate this cycle, that this thing that I think is so closely tied to the very ability to imagine a different thing is like locked away in a giant well that you can barely find it. I've been thinking about, uh, I, I like the idea, especially in the Puss of Man, I like this idea that there's um all like alterations can be made to the body even in grotesque and like sort of eldritchian horrifying ways by virtue of some kind of social environment uh, you know you mm -hmm. you sort of like uh, you gain new composition while and you know new vulnerabilities and a, a new shape a new, a new way of sort of like living in the world that presents you know basically ash as you were saying all of a sudden there's this like like lot some form of life whatever life is within this you know the sort of life as this indiscernibly fundament, fundamental process by which we all kind of are given rise to you know, we're not, we, you know, no, we, I, I didn't ask, I didn't ask to play Dark Souls basically is the, <laughs> the, the Heideggerian <laughs> summary. Um, you just do. Uh, but there's, I think, I, I, I think it's, a, I, I, I think counterintuiting within these games is the, is, I think as we've shown today, the, the best thing that you can do because all of a sudden, voids of nothingness become the ground by which something different emerges um through your sort of like your 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 through your effort the sort of like the 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 void of nothingness and the lack of knowledge becomes a you know a, a grounding abyss um that creates something out of nothing I don't know. I think I think yes! I think it's the closest that Dark Souls gets to being like truly existential, right? So here's here's what I think, which is that fire is not generative. It it looks like it is, but fire mm. is consumptive. Fire is a subtraction out of the world. 
Um, the age of the age of fire is not anything is is as you pointed out a complete illusion, right? It it it's smoke and mirrors. That that's all it ever can be. It's hidden behind the big titties. I remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> war, war, warning. Uh, excellent chest oh, ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing view. <laughs> but like the 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 dark soul, the the pus of man, right? This uh, enroaching seeming negation is is actually a kind of generative potentiality right the um uh, in the the run-up to uh to manus father of the abyss you see this these giant spheres of humanity itself kind of floating around that will just take huge amounts of uh of hp off you if they just kind of glide through you so they don't seem to be con- consumptive right but they don't but they they are part of this generative possibility. Uh, in you know, in Lacanian psychoanalysis, they talk about the barred subject. They talk about the kind of like the inaccessibility of human subjectivity. That like, uh, it, it, in a way, it, it wasn't the real dark soul in, in, in us, in us all along. Like, but we, but but like to put to put this in in kind of like slightly more straightforward terms, I think the kind of point is we do not yet know what human. What, yes. what the human subject is capable of, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. So the, the the dark soul is the soul which is is hidden even from itself, and so much of like human subjectivity is still this unfolding, seeming negation of mm. of the present. So, uh, I it, like I say, I think it's the closest I, the game gets to being like properly existential in its philosophy. Oh, I love this. I love this so much, right? Because it's like, like, what's the, what's the quote from, from uh, Frankenstein? Uh, did I, did I request thee maker from my clay to mold me man? Did I solicit thee from dark souls to promote me? <laughs> like, like, what would I, like, like this talk of subjectivity is really compelling, right? Because like, our, our desires are so inaccessible to us, right? Like our desires are so suffused and permeated by, by, all of these other factors and forces that that make what we truly want and need so obscure to us and like you know we also have to consider like the pus of man in the context of like the the kind of like coming revolutionary subject you know like would we would we even want to touch the thing that we need to become you know like we have these age-old questions of like 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 why, why don't why don't we have a better world already what in us makes us afraid to make that to take these necessary steps and to go to these places and like, is the pus of man not like an externalization of those fears? Yeah, I mean, like you know? in, in the game, who who are you? No one. You're literally no one. You don't matter. You're in fact, you're dead. You're you are you are. You're not a wizard, Harry. Yeah, you're nothing. You are fuck. You are nothing. But <laughs> what can you do? You can do literally everything, right? The, mm-hmm. And that's a kind of yep. that's that's a kind of be- beautiful. beautiful thing. Yeah, th- this game is surprisingly optimistic. I think about about oh yeah humanity because I mean in game humanity is potential, right? It's what unlocks the multiplayer. Uh, humanity is fragments of the dark soul, right? The dark is potential, and I think potential is both a, an amazing and horrifying thing. And I think that you know they they invite us to look upon it with kind of fear and hope at the same time in a way that's really exciting. Yeah, it's free. It's freedom, not by virtue, but by ontology. 
Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no glory there's no like true like bottleneck of glory and virtue through which your freedom and autonomy can be expressed in the game. No, you're just a nasty little guy running around with all the other nasty little guys just like fighting slime <laughs> and you know talking and looking at big turtles and yeah. trying to piece together some like some essence of meaning through actual objects or not objects or you know little bits of dialogue before you try and chop someone's head off or there's like no like i i I love i don't like freedom and virtue virtuous freedom or whatever is like i don't know the vast majority it's the most right-wing shit ever like there's no there's no greater meaning to be had outside of affirmation of the set of virtue like like what like what what's the point of that type of like cultural object much less as a way of living like virtue really give me a fucking break like no that's my response no virtuous (laughs) no it no stop and that's dark souls's response as well right it denies us that yeah in a way that is i consider to be a great favor you know i i really i really really like this too because like so like we, the Dark Souls, right? We've got the four lords, right? Like that that fucked up everything mm-hmm. for the dragons in the start of the game and did settler colonialism on the world of Dark Souls, and like you, you, you know, okay, so Gwyn, Lord of Cinder, Grave Lord Nido, and the Witch of Isolith, you know, all all figures throughout the game that we fight and kill and conquer and subdue and absorb into our being through through like the leveling system, but the fourth one, the furtive pygmy, the one who who takes the the kind of like first first humanity. Um, never seen, never interacted with, occasionally mentioned, worshipped by some, but never really engaged with. And so we have like this kind of, this this like negation of these these like accepted like monarchistic hierarchies. You know, like our guy, our lineage is nothing. It's no one. It's it's this forgotten. It reminds me. It's like uh, Utah Phillips has this great introduction to the song Union Burial Ground, where he's talking. He you know he starts off by talking about like Joe Hill. And all of the people who died in the name of of labor rights that we know the names of, that have monuments and songs, but like Union Burial Ground isn't for them. It's for everyone, everyone who was hung under a bridge by a Pinkerton who never had a grave, who was forgotten, who was alone in that city, who was fresh in the United States and had no family here. So many people lost to history. And is that not the kind of like chain of of humanity and darkness and dark souls yeah. it's everything it's all it's all it's everything like there the it's it's the that's the ex, the extractable like knowledge of history is all born sort of in this counter intuition um in exploring darkness as a like broad broad category uh and it's the exact theme of a chapter of my book which specifically discusses the as much details as be, as can be sussed out from official documents the result of mining accidents mm-hmm. uh and their you know and the the many forms that they come in and attempting to like to take public documents and out of this like base set of knowledge wretch the 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 darkness that actually sits you know, within it, like that's, that's, been, it's, it's been papered over, I mean, figuratively, not literally. Yeah. Uh, so, so much of the, 
the 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 necessary tension in life in in the way that we live it um that can't be that can't be told at, unto the particular expectations of like like like, like we we take we take let, let, we we try and perform some impossible exercise and make dark souls entirely this purely fictional it was created in an, entirely in a va- in a vacuum without the social world in which we exist is it feels like that that's an exercise that can be done with like dragon quest right yeah there's kings and queens and stuff like that but there's magic and then there's a chosen there's the one you know precious little boy who's been chosen and you know gets to go be the hero um when in contrast like the the without the forgot without all of the people forgotten to history dark souls just simply doesn't exist because the before history happened there was really nothing there is a there is a pure sort of bottleneck of meaning in stasis and then in the introduction um of contrast in that stasis um death and life emerge and so there's no like out, out of the sort of like the stasis of the of the imagined past without this tension this you know darkness there you go without without night if you will there is no light there's no day um we can't possibly expect to find some greater sense of meaning in the world without speaking that speaking that directly uh and purposefully in in a partisan kind of way i think i think you're right and i think on a more personal level right the the darkness is about uh it's a kind of sartrean point it's something sartre writes about which is like the horror of freedom right mm. if you think mm-hmm. if you think the the if you think the if you think that the dark in in dark souls uh the the pus of man if you think the 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 abyss into which artorius fell is entirely and only a bad thing then you are at heart a monarchist, right? What you want is an ontologically, metaphysically certain world that doesn't require mm-hmm. you to take the re- take to take one's own freedom to se- to self create, which is as as existentialist philosophy points out, terrifying and al- also even kind of horrifying. You know, uh, the fiction of Thomas Ligotti is all about this. There's there's a great short story where where a literal void just appears in the middle of a town and and people don't know what to do with this how how do you deal with nothing how do you how do you take on the possibility of radical transformation that can come out of it uh, when really you don't want that freedom i feel like the um the dlc for dark souls 1 poses such a great challenge along those lines as well doesn't it because this is i think the only time in the series you really get to see what things look like when the pus of man is about Mm -hmm. and it is horrifying in a lot of ways and it it wants you to be thinking about that i think and it wants you to understand that this is not this is not you press the um the make the fire go away button and the problems are solved, <laughs> but this is that 
that seemingly infinite potentiality that just fucking chills people to even consider because it could be anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it that that's that's the great. It could be anything. It's such a kind of wonderfully double loaded sentence, right? Because you can go, mm. oh, well, it could be anything. That's amazing. You go, it could be anything. That's terrifying, and we have to we yeah. we have to destroy it. We have to reimpose our kind of limit of meaning. We have to kind of draw the line, um, and it it's hybrid. It represents a kind of hybridity, which if you accept the the the, the kind of epistemics of of Gwyn and the lords of and the lords of fire then that's that's a hybridity that has to be has to be crushed it has to be it has to it ha, you know uh new londo has to be literally drowned in order to kind of expunge it <laughs> yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. <laughs> now is the time of Dark Souls. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. I really like that. <laughs> but yeah, isn't it? Isn't, isn't, isn't that what this is about? This, these kind of endless cycles, this kind of endless... This, like, I, think, I think two and three really build on this in like and two especially builds on this in really interesting ways, which is that that desire for a kind of epistemic certainty, that desire for a a a, a clarity of purpose, is one that takes you into really uh, interesting and really kind of like deeply troubling and destabilizing ideas. That to me feels like it's got the most. Uh obvious immediate sort of political um allegories to be made right i mean i think that a massive liberal response to communist thought is to say well hold on you've got to like spell all this out exactly how would that work what would that look like i have spreadsheets where are your spreadsheets yeah, where are your and spreadsheets this, <laughs> communist <laughs> yeah there's this anxiety to the fact that every aspect of it cannot be immediately quantified and spelled out in a, in a simple to understand way because the certainty is what is comfortable to them because they've lived in liberalism as long mm -hmm. as they've been alive. Uh, the certainty makes so much horror go down pretty easy. Um, and when you introduce the uncertainty, I feel like it makes them almost recoil deeper into reaction. It yes. could be worse. You remember when the whole world was just dragons and rocks? <laughs> like, They're always saying this. So be grateful, um, you stupid asshole, for all of the fucking shit that you have. Look at all this fucking shit. Isn't it fine? You can, like, look, you take this and stab that guy with it. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. You're just Gwyn's not so bad. He's getting it's smaller. It's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I think is like it's it's really cool, right? Because you know we we talk about the DLC and kind of the pus of man and all of the monsters down there as being like somehow uniquely horrifying or uniquely dangerous. It, but like, is isn't that just kind of like an adjectival problem and how we talk about it and how the game as like a ludic system forces us to interact with it? Like, what what was the rest of the game if not being beset by horrible zombies, giant rock demons, flying monsters, dragons, like evil kings? You know, like like all all of the horrors are in the surface realm. You know, once you once you get down to the core of things, it's just these ghosts. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. there's so little down there that's threatening. 
uh, I mean, like, if you if you accept that logic, if you go, oh yeah, everything is fine. Uh, all we need to do is do everything all over again. It's like you wander through the uh, through the undead uh, berg, and it's like that's going to be you, right? That's you're going to be. That's what you're going to come become in in this yep. scenario when the fire burns down to ash again. You'll be another one of those figures, like slumped in a corner, trapped in the same endless, exhausted repetition. Yeah, but it's my corner. Yeah. Yes. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Those are my black fire bombs. <laughs> I think that's part of the power of not making their, not creating a clear alternative, um, mm-hmm. or one that's like obviously on a surface level positive. Like the not making it so that the dark ending is just like, oh, you did the right thing. We're all free yeah. now of the bad thing. Instead, it it. You know, it has, as we've discussed, this horror to it. And then so this is a game that I think invites you to replay it quite a lot. And so every time you go through this world again, I think you're just invited to think of the constant grinding fucking repetition of a cycle like this Mm -hmm. that maybe gets you thinking about some things in your own life, in the world that we live in. And in a way, the repetition is so much worse than anything else on the table, you know, in this world of bizarre horrors that are constantly jumping out at you. Yeah, and, like, I think um, that's such a good point, too, because there's, like, this cool kind of, like, prefiguration that's happening in the Dark Souls PvE meta, which is a phrase that now exists in the world. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, like... So like like there's this brutal cycle, right? And you can you can go on to New Game Plus and New Game Plus and New Game Plus over and over and over again, and the only thing that changes is things get more miserable. They get harder. They get they 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 get more uninviting, more un like they reject you more. And then like you know like in the PVE meta, we we see an attempt at a, at a rejection of that, right? Like like one of the most difficult things is to end and exit cycles. Right and like like the, the the PVE meta or the PVP meta I should say is like it's just you you harvest your consumables and then you you hone a craft that earns you some tradable currency where you can buy a, more arrows or something if you need them and the rest of it is just like hanging out on a Discord and telling people calling people gankers and saying get good like sure the community's <laughs> miserable but like it's free. Uh, what was your build for for PVP then, Ash? Um, I think it. I think it all depends. I was never. I was. I was never a big giant dad, uh, uh, type of type of souls soulsian. Um, I preferred. I preferred a bleed build with the scythe and uh, the robes from the Witch of Isolith and a couple pyromancies in the tank. So, oh, all, all nice. About that. Get some nice. parries. Get some bleed. Be really annoying. Strength Very faith nice. though when I'm doing PVE is really fun. How about everyone else? I get the biggest stupidest hammer the game will give me, and I try to backstab with it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was, I was very, I was brand new to Dark Souls uh, uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, so I have, I have gone through a variety of first-time builds for each one of the games. Uh, but the first one, first game, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I went with a, I went with a Dex build. I went with a, with a, with a Lightning Uchikatana. Um, I, the, the weeb build, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, nice. And, uh, like super high, super high endurance, super high dex, and um, 
uh, as as super fancy samurai sword, and I had a great time. Hell yeah! You studied the blade. I, the I did. Partying while the rest <laughs> of you, while the rest of you were just bonking people on the head with the big hammers, I studied the blade. <laughs> <laughs> and now oh, the smelter demons are at your door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what about, about you, Kyle? Kyle? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh um Yeah, it's it's big boy strats all the way. I grab the largest thing I can find and I swing it as hard as I can at their head. Yes, this um, is the Agab path. All, always just like yeah, yeah, just like a like a like a mountain of a character. Um just take, get, grabs a big hunk of something and flung it at you, and you know, yeah, you, know, you get you get him twice and you're good, baby. That's you know, <laughs> quick and easy. We keep it simple, you know. That's right. You make your character as wide as possible. <laughs> Only level strength, never dex, <laughs> not level dex. That's right. This is this, this is where the, this is where we give the audience their first choice in this branching adventure. You can either join the Agab Covenant and pass that vit check. Or you can join the <laughs> HV Covenant and learn how to parry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be tempted. It's it's too fucking hard. You're just gonna get yeah. yourself killed. Don't learn how to parry. It's not worth it. It's not worth. Learn it. how to get behind them when they swing, and then you get a backside. It's just as good, but you don't get hit in the face. Learn how learn how to how to how to read that see that that stat str and then you you get on that one and then you press right until it's big yeah <laughs> and then you win yeah that's how you win that's how you win win the game you know what you know what it's it's not always the size of your sword it's sometimes how you wield it it's, that's what I'm it's, gonna say it's to where this. you can put it it's where you can put yeah it. that's what people with small swords say <laughs> that's what they always say. That's what they always say yeah 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 you know what that's absolutely right that's so true. absolutely so then therefore does not dex queer the pvp strats for dark souls oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah if you would like to be if you would like to be hot hot and sexy level dex learn how to parry get get some top quality drip and have a great time Listener, don't listen to these goddamn twinks. Yeah, yeah. If you want to like play, if by playing Dark Souls you mean reading Gender Trouble and <laughs> then you can do that, or you can come out into the forest with uh, um, with your with your real friend and grab hunks of wood and throw it as far as you can. Look, these are these are your choices. like a goddamn adult. That's right. <laughs> well, we we will teach you how to do your Dark Souls taxes. You are never going to be charged again by Gwyn for too many souls. <laughs> There's no taxes in the forest, baby. <laughs> uh, I, I, Gwyn doesn't even know we're down here. I, I, w- I will I will admit that I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, explaining how I change build on each game, uh, and I've, I'm currently finishing uh, finishing off. The Ring City DLC for Dark Souls Three with a build I would never have chosen at the beginning. Ooh, I will. We, but we'll do that. We'll we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. For listeners who were intelligent enough to listen to the whole thing, um, <laughs> one thing that I think we intelligently and definitely on purpose uh, waited until the end to mention is that this is going to be a series of things that we're going to do. We're just going to get together and talk about Dark Souls. You'll find the next one over on Horror Vanguard's feed, Woo. which you're you've already, since this one's on our feed, that means you're already listening to it. So just when it pops up there, listen to it there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. and great job for doing that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we I will, I we will had take to this talk, moment. We had to talk about the best Dark Souls game on our show. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Shots fired. Shots fired. You're a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I, will take this, I will take this moment to highlight, however, that in, in the uh, Agab HV Covenant pathway, none of us statted into intelligence. So <laughs> that what you will. That's nerd shit. All right? <laughs> You'll never catch me casting a fucking spell. Fuck no. No. No thoughts. No thoughts. Head empty. Head empty. <laughs> Bonking stick. Enormous. Yeah. <laughs> you get it you get it okay you already get it that's Him right bros does that work Join yes. the Covenant. there we go absolutely that's what's up yeah we'll do dark souls 2 on horror vanguard and i suppose we're coming back here for dark souls 3 and then bloodborne on hv um Sekiro. are we doing bloodborne oh, Sekiro, yeah. Elden i mean Ring. bloodborne we're board talking game. souls games with horror vanguard and we're not going to do bloodborne that would be really funny and we <laughs> should actually just do we should actually do that we should pretend that we don't know we, need, we, need, we need to swap the bloodborne <laughs> slot with like stardew valley <laughs> well, you don't have to ask me I I, I can tell you how many hours I've got logged into that game, and it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I own four copies of that game. It's yep, humiliating. Yep, yep. I've given Eric Baroni so much money. I mean, earned, earned. Yeah, I'm gonna give more too. He's got another friend game. of the pod, Eric. What's up, yeah. man? Come back on the pod. Come back. <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Uh, favorite favorite boss fight in Dark Souls. Ornstein smell. It's just, I mean, like, I think I like the Artorius fight better, but or I just remember, like, the first time I encountered the Ornstein smell fight, the first time I beat one of them and I got that cutscene, I was like, oh, god damn it. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good one. He's getting bigger, isn't he? <laughs> he, he becomes a big boy. He, he becomes a big boy, that is for sure. Bon bonk a man enough with your stick, and that'll happen. That'll happen. <laughs> Queering Dark Souls coming out from Horror Vanguard Press. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's got to be Gwyn. Ooh, nice. After, because the precedent wasn't set in the way it kind of was by later games. Um, so after everything, this guy who has been the centerpiece to this whole incredible world you've just gone through... And you're going through this this horrible, ash-covered, blasted fucking kiln, fighting through um, Black Knights, some of the stronger enemies in the game. And you get to him, and he's just this... He's just this fucking shell of a man. And if you'd been paying attention, that should not have surprised you. Mm -hmm. But because you, it's the big final boss you've been building to, you're kind of expecting a big deal. And he's just a guy... He barely even looks like himself anymore. He's fucking gone. It almost seems like he's just fighting you out of habit or obligation at that point. Um, and the, it's also got one of my favorite uh, 
uh, bits of, of the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack on that is immaculate. Yeah, it's so perfect for what that fight is and what it means, and it's it's just wonderful. Kyle, what about you? Uh, I like the first one that came to mind. I like the Four Kings, not just because nice. like, it takes really long. It's like you know, thank you to the internet for helping me get that fight. Um, I just think it's cool looking, honestly. I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's a good one. That's great. It is cool. Uh, I, I agree with all of you, uh, obviously. But um, one of <laughs> one of my favorite moments from my very first playthrough was uh, the cutscene that introduces the gaping dragon. Because Ooh, yeah. oh hell yeah! Because, because the reason I love it is because it like Dark Souls also has has a sense of this can be a really funny game occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Where you, know? you just see you just see the cute little head pop up, and you're like, oh, and then it all gets a little bit weird. Uh, but I'm, I I got to give it to I got to give it to Artorius. The fight with Artorius is just, 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 mm-hmm. just the kind of chef's kiss where like everything just works, and it's like, yes, this is now now this is pod ra- pod racing. This pod is racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think as a fight, Artorius is is simply the best. Yeah, it's so good. Um, it's so good. It's really good. Yeah. Shit. Absolutely. None of us said Sif. I'm sorry, Sif. Uh, well, it's because I don't like fighting Sif. I wish. No, it just th- makes you no feel bad. It's fucked. Can you pat the Why dog? No. Do Why would you make me do this? <laughs> Aggressively, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot pat the dog. <laughs> We could do a whole chapter on the gaping dragon for the Queering Dark Souls book. I, I, I think. Mean, oh my god! Really well. <laughs> uh, first of all, shout out to Dark Souls for naming uh, a, a boss the gaping dragon. <laughs> you... I do like my dragons to gape. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the ideal. Listen, a gab. Do, do, do these dra- do these dragons gape? So before I follow Agab on DeviantArt to see our views on this particular topic. That's right. Yeah, our DeviantArt account has been in several countries. You're gonna need a VPN. You can only access it if it thinks you're like from Russia. Uh, I, I, would, the... I would definitely clear your browser history after going on that. <laughs> You can yeah. you can pre-order the Agab Gaping Dragon FromSoft crossover uh, from BadDragon.com <laughs> forward slash All Gamers Are Bastards. Yeah, and if you don't have access to any of that, you can uh, download it off of Kazaa. <laughs> um, that's where we keep all of our other stuff. So if you can get that, it's it's all there too. That's no, true. Yeah. That's Before where you Metallica can listen shuts to... down your Napster account. <laughs> Fucking Metallica. Metallica's been trying to shut down this podcast for years. They never will. They never oh, yeah, will. We've been, we've been warring with them ever since St. Anger. Yeah, fuck you, Lars. You're never getting me. <laughs> uh, I can't believe that none of us mentioned the uh, the best, actually, in retrospect, the best fight in the game, which is the Bed of Chaos. Ooh, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I'm at a just, point where when I play Dark Souls worm, 1, aren't we? <laughs> I'm at a point where when I replay Dark Souls 1, I've got a mod that makes that fight less stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's a I good, just like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. It's a good idea. It's, it's, it's deeply silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you to the Horror Vanguard for joining us on the first expedition 
into the dark, into our new careers as uh, chosen undead. Are you guys <laughs> looking forward to the the cycle of, of unlife continuing? I'm just going to go back like... into my cell in the asylum and wait until next time. <laughs> like we all do. That's the way. <laughs> Uh, where can the listeners find you guys? You can find our lovely, lovely podcasting covenant, our, our gaming tips, and the latest. And occasionally we do episodes on horror movies uh, at Horror Vanguard on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash Horror Vanguard, and Horror Vanguard, the podcast, uh, uh, wherever giant, mysterious snake worms emerge from gothic ruins in the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Hell yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right you can find uh you can find kyle and i on the internet if you just sort of you open your search bar and you just type in uh cool dudes come up. <laughs> yeah we're the, we're the we're the top two entries on that i mean the third one is our is our club for people who want to go throw stuff around in the woods so you can email that <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just us. The picture is a picture of us in the woods uh, flexing and we're brandishing <laughs> clubs uh, shirtless. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually my wallpaper on my uh, on my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> How did he get that? Um, yeah, follow 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 us. Follow Kyle at Labor Kyle on Twitter. How about that? I'm doing Kyle's plugs. I don't give a fuck. Oh. <laughs> Do whatever we want here. It's uh, yeah. no, it's it's real Maverick hours. Kyle. I highly Absolutely. recommend that. Yeah, you should follow him. Uh, Kyle, where can they find me? They can find you at Kane Skittles on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, streaming on Saturdays and Sundays. Hell um, yeah. But and... don't 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 watch any of that shit, though. Go to Kyle's channel, Labor Kyle, on YouTube and watch that instead. Well, okay. okay. So, okay. You have two monitors. <laughs> in one headphone... Watch, watch K on Twitch, and on the other headphone, <laughs> go watch my new video on nostalgia, and watch them at the same time, um, and you'll become really good at Dark Souls. That's how you win. Dark also, Souls. you should have some speakers in the room that are playing an episode of Horror Vanguard. Any oh, yeah. episode yeah, will do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you die immediately. <laughs> and then you join us in the asylum. It's gonna yeah. be great. <laughs> Your friends. You're, you're you come actual, to our non-parasocial birthday party. Your actual non-parasocial <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's right. We need you to, if possible, stop communicating with your real-life friends to focus more on this friendship. Look, you got to raise your cool. game, everybody. Our stats have been low. Come on. <laughs> I give all of my close personal friends at least $25 a month. You know, I'm just saying. And I do it for Minimum. Patreon. Minimum. <laughs> minimum. Minimum. <laughs> That, that that that's the basic friend entry level. My close friends, it's it's there's it's like six figures. It's so good. Obviously, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, duh. That's what it's like in the covenant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Thanks again for coming, guys. Uh, we will we will be joining the horror vanguard next time for Dark Souls Two. Woo! Yay! Woo! Yeah, it's it's spooky. It's spooky. It's a spooky one. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a humanity ghost. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All gamers are bastards. Horror Vanguard.
Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.